On today's podcast, I had my friend Pace Morbion out of Arizona, and Pace is doing so many crazy things. He's done hundreds of creative finance deals, but on top of that, all the success has led him to a best viewed show on A&E called Triple Digit Flip. It is the number one show right now, and it is amazing. We go over how his career has blossomed from just being a contractor, doing everything all on his own with the dirty work, to getting into a Homevestors franchise, to then leaving it, um, almost going bankrupt from a bunch of contractors and other flippers screwing him over, to now being ultra successful in multiple businesses on social media and everything he touches. You guys don't want to miss out. It's a great show. Now, let's jump into it. Are you looking to grow your real estate investing business? My company, Future Flipper, can help. We've taught hundreds of people all over the country how to flip, wholesale, and buy rental properties. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your investing journey. Whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your company, Future Flipper can help. We have courses, coaching, and events for all levels of investors. So if you want to take the next step, go to futureflipper.com and book a free consultation to see how we can best help you. Once again, that's futureflipper.com. If you've ever wanted to invest with me on my real estate deals, it's now possible. At Pineda Capital, we're purchasing value-add real estate all across the country. This includes multifamily, commercial, and land development. The best part is, with my network, social media presence, and marketing strategies, we're able to get the very best deals that others don't have access to. You can join in with me on those deals if you're an accredited investor. If you want to learn more, head over to PinedaCapital.com to see our current opportunities. Once again, that's PinedaCapital.com. Welcome to The Ryan Pineda Show. Where our mission is to invest. I only expect to make money in things that I understand. Innovate. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And inspire. I am much more likely to hit my goal just due to putting it out there. You're now rocking with the best. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I've got one of my buddies from Arizona. i got a lot of buddies out in Arizona. Yeah, you do. But uh, this one has been doing some crazy things the last two years. Um, it's funny, man. We were doing a meetup about two years ago yes. this time. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, now just to see where both of our lives have, have gone since then is, is kind of mind-blowing. For those of you who don't know, I've got uh, my friend Pace Morby on today. He is the king of creative finance and sub two. He also just launched his brand new TV show, Triple Digit Flip. And uh, we were just talking pre-show. He's doing a bunch of other stuff. So, man, it's good to have you on. Bro, thank you so much. I was watching one of your most recent episodes with one of your buddies in, in, in your Bible study group. Oh, my gosh, this podcast is so stinking good. Yeah. I literally send all of my team your stuff, and I'm like, guys, watch this. Watch this. Go to minute <laughs> seven. Go to minute 12. Oh, my gosh, Ryan just said this. I'm I'm very lucky to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. He's uh, talking about John Acuff. So if you guys haven't seen that episode, phenomenal. We'll one of the best podcasts below. I've probably ever listened to ever. It was unbelievable. Yeah, dude. He came up with so many nuggets during that. And uh, Gabe, who is managing the switch right now, he got we got done with the podcast. He was like, dude, that was crazy. What was so good about <laughs> that beyond the content is that obviously he's incredibly intelligent. He's articulate, but he spun everything back to you regarding baseball. The guy's a master storyteller. Yeah. He's phenomenal. You can tell he's great on stage, but he's practiced and he's honed. And what was interesting is listening to his origin story about how he actually couldn't finish anything, which is why he wrote the book Finish. Yeah. 
And I'm like, this is what people need to hear. People need to hear the origin story of these superheroes, like where people came from and how they ultimately got into their position. Because so many other people are fearful of like, oh, I, I could never do what Acuff does. Yeah, you know, no, 100%. And for those who don't know, that he's written, I think, eight books now and New York Times bestseller multiple times. So Phenomenal. Let's go over your origin story real quick to spin it a little bit, man. So, yeah. I mean, you're hosting a TV show. You've got this huge community. You've done all these real estate deals. Like, how'd you get here? I got here from being in a blue-collar family. Growing up, um, my father was a contractor. I learned basically that's the way you make money. My parents had 12 kids. So my dad, even though he was um, trained CPA and, you know, did people's books and Rockford Fosgate, the speaker company, my dad was the CFO of that company, but still couldn't make enough money with a really high-paying job. Mm -hmm. So he would do contracting on the side. And then my dad realized, oh, well, I can make way more money as a contractor than I ever could being a corporate CFO, even for Rockford freaking Fosgate. Isn't that crazy? Like it's you're so managing crazy. the money. Yes. And like you're having trouble like keeping the money. Right. And my parents got to a point where they had 12 kids. We're Mormons, so Mormons. Whoa, I did not know you had <laughs> 12 kids. Yeah, I'm numbered three. There's nine siblings underneath me. Nine. Wow. I've changed more diapers than most people who have kids have changed diapers. All right. <laughs> so okay, I did not know that about I you. I grew up um, in that household, and I just learned to work with my hands. And unfortunately, because of the way that I was taught, I'm glad I, I learned how to work really, really hard. Um, but I learned to work with my hands. So I couldn't wrap my head around any other business other than you know, trade your time, get money. Mm -hmm. And it led me down the path of construction. I ended up utilizing social media, which you are the freaking best at this, unbelievable at it. Um, I started utilizing social media in my construction company before and afters, before and afters, and I would land all of my construction jobs through my Instagram. Literally everything came through my Instagram. What year was this? 2010. Okay. Okay. And what ended up happening is um, I get the attention of Open Door and OfferPad and Zillow. And I end up getting phone calls from them saying, hey, we're launching in Phoenix. We need a contractor. I ended up being the second contractor that Open Door ever hired when they opened up their market. Mm. Phoenix was their first market. Now, by 2000, this is now by like 2015. Um, I now have 185 employees. We're doing $20 million a year in construction, and I'm taking home millions of dollars. Like amazing, amazing lifestyle. Then what happens, I go open up Dallas for them. I open Vegas for them. And then I get a phone call from one of the heads at Open Door, and they go, hey, we have good news and bad news. Come into our office. And the good news is they go, hey, here's a $100,000 check. Thank you for everything you've done. But we're taking, here's the bad news. We're taking our average renovation from $50,000 a house to like $1,500 a house. Good move by them, by the way. Amazing move by them. <laughs> but not a great move for me because I had staked and put all my eggs in that basket, right? I wasn't a great business owner in that regard of like, you need to be diversified. What I found is like, there's a lot of money working for these funds because they care more about having credible, good contractors doing their jobs and they care about pinching every penny and they paid every Friday. Mm. And they, what happened is I had 185 employees, like 160 of them were dedicated to the funds. So I go, okay, I need a couple of months. And I started moving my... Um, cruise to local fix and flippers. And I started working for local fix and flippers and home renovations and stuff like that. And what happened is in 2016, 2015, 16, I figured out what wholesaling was. So I bought a Homevestors franchise. I don't know if you ever knew that. Yeah, I, I remember the Homevestors. You told me that. So I bought a Homevestors franchise. So I started wholesaling about 10 deals a month with my wife and I. 
and I was doing my renovation company at the same time. And looking back, I should have just let go of my construction company and focused all on re, uh, real estate. But I was so broken in the brain that I was like, this is too good to be true. So tell me this before you, you go on. As a guy who already had the construction piece down, you had a, you know, a company. Why didn't you just fix and flip? Why wholesale? So interesting. The funding. You just didn't have the money. It's not that I didn't have the money. It's that I didn't, I couldn't compute how the money all flowed, right? I never had anybody, what was happening. You didn't happening. understand how to do cash flows or anything. Yet. Right. I didn't understand any of that stuff. I knew payroll. And here's the challenge too in, in, in construction is that you'll have a quarter million dollar payroll every two weeks and then somebody fails to pay you and you've got all now your you're cash. Screwed. You're screwed for 30 days until right. you can figure out your cash flow. So I would look at that and go, man, if I have one bad month where somebody doesn't pay me and I got to wait 30 days or something along those lines, I worked for, for a lot of insurance companies too, and they slow pay and they do all this weird stuff. And I go, if I put myself in a position where I, I've got money invested in a house, I didn't understand freaking hard money. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Like you were, you were talking to um, Bradley the other day about like, Bradley asked you the question. He goes, why don't real estate agents do this? You're like, Brad, they just don't know what we know. Yeah. And I was a contractor at a very, very high level doing a lot of jobs for big companies. And I still couldn't put a couple of very basic pieces together. And if I could go back in a time machine, I would yell at myself and go, you, <laughs> dude, you have everything in front of you. One, one thing I'll say too is, and this is uh, for both of us, a good reminder is like, dude, people could be hearing this podcast for the very first time mm -hmm. and have never heard of hard money right. or anything, right? So it's like... I, I always have to remind myself, like, dude, I need to speak as if nobody has ever heard what I've said before. Right. Even though I've said it third grader, 800 million times, I need to make sure that, hey, people, like, this could change somebody's life. And so, like, for those listening, when we talk about hard money, we're saying that, hey, there are lenders out there, you can Google them, just hard money lenders, who will lend you on your fix and flips if right. you have a good deal. Like, finding the money is probably the easiest Part Isn't of, that the ironic estate. part about it is that that now is the easiest part of the entire deal. Yeah. Getting the money is the easiest. The hardest part is managing, especially at your level, because you're flipping way more than I am. I'm We're flipping probably 15 to 18 projects at a time. I think last time I saw you were flipping like 50 to 60 active yeah. projects. You're like 4X what I do. The hardest part is managing the project. It's yeah. not the construction money. Construction sucks. Yeah. Construction is <laughs> really, really challenging. Yeah. I, bro, I had that figured out. We did, I did close to 7,000 turns for hedge funds. 7,000. Yeah. And that's why I was like, man, why didn't you just buy them? <laughs> that's exactly it. So the, the basic principle of this, guys, um, for everybody that may be listening to this for the first time, I had the hardest part of this figured out, but I had the, lit, the smallest thing. If somebody told me, for example, um, one of my hard money lenders that we use is, they're just local to Arizona, but you guys can Google them and use them if you're in Arizona. Frank West Capital. They'll fund 100% of your purchase. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll even pay for the closing costs. Yeah. Frank West Capital, they'll fund 100% of it. Then for the renovation budget, I could go to like mom and dad. I could go to a credit card company. One there's of your 12 brothers and one sisters. One of my 12 brothers and sisters. <laughs> um, or there's companies out there like Plastique. Have you ever, do you ever teach people to use Plastique? I've heard of it. So basically you it. take a credit card and you swipe it online. Oh, and they'll give you cash. And they give you cash. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like you can take an American Express, like I have a platinum and I could go, I want a hundred grand. I could swipe it on Plastique and they'll send me a, a, a freaking check for a hundred grand. Yeah. It's crazy. If somebody would have told me that back in 2015 and 16, I, it would have changed my life. That's actually how I got started flipping houses, but there was no plastique back then. I just had the credit cards and- uh, You were paying for like renovation budgets and stuff no, like that? No, so like I just did a balance transfer to oh, a check. Love it. And uh, that was how I got the money to put a down payment. Is, isn't it 
funny how basic that really, really is, but people have a hard time believing you can fix and flip without any of your own money. Yeah. I mean, that it definitely wasn't my money, but right. you know, I was on the hook for it. Right. There, well, there you go. So <laughs> yeah. with hard money lenders, so like we use um, myinvestorloan.com. We use them a lot for like our purchases. We use Frank West Capital, who's only local to Arizona, but you Google it, guys, you will find thousands of lenders. Yep. Thousands. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're institutions. They literally build a business just to give you guys money. That's how prevalent they are, right? So I didn't have that element. And I was fearful of my cash flow situation. No matter how much money you're making, it's like one day I have $800,000 in the account and the next day I'm wondering, how am I going to pay for yeah. groceries? I mean, right? It still happens today. Right. I Two months ago, I was texting Donovan Ruffin, friend of both of ours, and I was texting him because a, a couple of years ago, he would brag like, I bring my account down to zero every single month because I'm reinvesting. And I was like, bro, I literally have a negative like $800 in my bank account. <laughs> I need to like go transfer money from a, whatever. So um, anyway, what happens is, I buy a home investors franchise because one of my clients who I was fixing and flipping houses for owned a franchise. Her name was Bethany. Shout out Bethany. She changed my life. She said, you, you're the hardest working person I've ever met. Why are you not flipping your own houses? Oh, Bethany, you are the smartest person. I'm so grateful for her. <laughs> so I go, well, I am flipping houses. She goes, no, no, no. You're making like one-tenth of what I'm making. Yeah. You know, and you actually are doing all the hard work. Do you see me coming to the job site? I go, no, you're doing all the hard work pace. I found the deal. I funded the deal. You did all the work. I'm like, oh my gosh. So she says, I'm retiring. I will sell you my ter my Phoenix territory. I end up buying her territory and I go, okay, I don't even know what I'm doing. So I, Homevestors, their primary source of marketing is direct mail, PPC, some SEO and some billboards, right? Right. Arca a little bit archaic stuff. And I get, I spend $5,000 on marketing my first month and I make 50 grand. Mm. And You're I'm like, this is tight. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so I didn't even know what an assignment contract was. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. Jamil, back in the day, is the guy I sold my first deal to. And he walked me through and taught me what an assignment contract was. Mm. Okay. So this is like 2015, 2016. I was transitioning. I had my construction company and wholesale. What happens is Open Door comes to me and they go, okay, we're going to shut down a lot of our stuff. We're going to bring stuff in-house. We're going to start doing our renovations in-house. We're going to bring in some handyman and we're not going to need you and the other contractors in about three months. So I start transitioning my crews. If I knew any better, what I should have done is I should have just full-time flipped my own houses. It was stupid. What I did is I was taking my money that I was making from wholesaling and I then started funding my construction company and the way I built clients. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Maybe one of the smartest things I've ever, ever done. I started finding clients by saying, I will fund your fix and flips with my money. Mm. I will fund your renovation. You buy the deal with your hard money lender. I will fund the construction. You pay me when you sell the house. And that's how I was billing my clientele. Okay. That, how, how do you think that ended? <laughs> they didn't pay you. They didn't pay me. I had one guy owed me a million. Another guy owed me 600000 Another guy owed me $180,000. All in all, I lost a couple of million dollars. And when that happened, my um, I was starting to do sub two. I was starting to do seller finance, creative finance stuff, which may, we might get into later. If you guys want to know more about it, you guys can always go look some of my other stuff up. I started doing that and I accumulated like 30 rentals. When these guys filed bankruptcy, well, there's one guy in town filed bankruptcy on me and 42 other people to the tune of like 16, 17 million bucks. My daughter was born the day, like two days before. And I get this letter saying, you're, we're not paying you. We, owe, we know we owe you all this money, but you're never going to get paid. And I sat there and I said, 
this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And my wife's like, what are you talking about? Oh my gosh. I go, sweetheart, I'm selling our rentals. I'm going to cash out our equity. I'm going to make sure that we get all of our guys paid. I'm going to take care of everything. And I'm going to go all into real estate. Mm. I sold my franchise because by that time I'd figure out how to just do it without the, the corporation. And I just went full into creative finance. I said, I don't have cash. I've lost the majority of my millions. I don't have cash to accumulate rentals. I need to go and get my cash flow back. And so I went on this hell-bent journey to just go, I'm acquiring every sub two and seller finance deal on the planet, and I'm going to document the heck out of it. And so I documented it, and within a year, everybody's like, whoa, look at this dude just gobbling up <laughs> sub twos and seller finance deals. Yeah. And it got to a point where then I bought a title company, and I started understanding the title and escrow work, and then I partnered with an attorney on certain things. And I just got to a point where I knew more than anybody else did. And just the call that when you and I took a little break before, I just get calls. People go, I got a seller finance deal. I got a seller finance deal. I could buy a million dollars of real estate every single day just from my Instagram. Right. Just from my Instagram. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you, you could probably buy more. That's the crazy thing about, um, you know, especially where you've been in the last couple of years. But what happened is... I just went full-fledged into it, and I bought into everything, and now we're well over 300 doors between mobile home parks and single-family homes and a lot of Airbnbs, and every single one of them was acquired with Subject to and Seller Finance. Yeah, let's talk about that for a sec, man. First off, crazy story, dude. I, I've heard bits and pieces of it, but to hear the full thing, you know, and just to to see the journey of, man— you know, I was the contractor and it didn't even occur to me to, you know, try and buy these things and then getting screwed over by the flippers. And then, you know, the piece that I'm curious about that you mentioned is mm -hmm. um, you started buying doors and doing sub too. Like, where did you learn it and what made you even want to go that route? So I... Because Homebusters wasn't teaching you. No, they did <laughs> not want me to do it. Yeah. They did not want me to do it because there's no way for them to make any money on the royalty. Yeah. Because home investors, what they do is they, let's say I spent 20 grand a month on marketing, they would charge 30% of that went into their pocket. Yeah. Okay. 30%. For so, managing the budget. Yeah. Whatever. Managing the budget. So I really was only investing 14 grand into real marketing. Then I would go, let's say do a hundred thousand dollars in revenue through wholesale deals or fix and flips or whatever. And they would take then upwards of 15% of that. Yeah. Okay. Right. How do they make money on a sub two deal that I just acquired from a lead that there's no, there's no transaction there. There's no money made on day one. Right. Right. What yeah, they, how did they do that with like just even normal rentals? So they wanted to take 3% or something along the lines oh, okay. down the road and they really anchored themselves in and they had a hard time understanding. How did you acquire this? Tell us how you acquired this. We don't like that you're doing this because it wasn't monetizable for them. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't like it. I was constantly getting um, criticized about it. But where I found out about it is a guy in Phoenix charged $47,000 to teach creative finance. Okay. And um, going through that whole process, on day 10, I realized this guy hadn't done a deal in 10 years. <laughs> you know, like- So you paid for it. I paid for it. But what made you like even like search for it and like, dude, I'm going to spend 47,000 because I want to learn Great this. question. Nobody's ever asked me this. Thank you so much. This is great. <laughs> this is really, really good. <laughs> So here's what happens in Homebusters. You spend 20 grand and you end up, it all comes down to cost per lead. Yeah. Okay. I would do cost per phone call. So I knew that when I first bought my franchise back in 2015 or so, my phone call, if I had a phone call come in, it cost me $400. Right. I'm not missing that phone call. 
Over the course of two years of owning that franchise, it got up to $1,100 per phone call. Oh, jeez. Right? <laughs> you ain't going to make money. Right. So think <laughs> about this. If I go, if I spend 20 grand and my cost per lead is 1100 bucks, that means I'm getting about 16 to 17 phone calls a month for $20,000. And guys, I don't, Home Investors has sent me like cease and desist for talking about this kind of stuff. Guys, send all the cease and desist you want. I can talk about this all I want. Every single home investor in the nation is struggling with this exact issue. Yeah. Their cost per lead is astronomical. So Because they're not adjusting. They're not adjusting. They're not cold calling. They're not texting. Yeah. They're not doing RV. They're doing none of that. Yeah. It's all direct mail, billboard, TV, and radio. It's the most archaic stuff. TV works, but you it has to be more localized. And it has to be behind a personality. Yeah. It can't be, be like, you know, home, we buy ugly houses. But you know what's funny about that is... Uh, I, you know, we've been running TV commercials for the last two years right. and, uh, they've been great. Like we've just freaking run them. I have literally the same commercial for two years straight. Right, right. I haven't changed it. And, uh, I started running billboards too in conjunction with it. And, um, we're not really running them anymore, but when I started running them, I had heard through the grapevine that Homevestors was pissed and I'm not even in Homevestors. Like right, I, right. I have home run offer. I do my own thing. Right. But, uh, they were mad because it was kind of like on their territory. Like my commercials outperform. Yep. You know, I think our cost per lead on TV commercials for me is like less than a hundred bucks. Oh my gosh. And these are great leads for do you, TV. Do you know why their leads are so expensive? It's because there's 20 people in a territory all putting their money together. Yeah. They call it an ad council. Okay? Yeah. So the 20 people all put their money together and they have to spend all that money. So the more money it there gets is, inefficient. it gets so inefficient. They're sending people that have no equity, all of these mail. And that's why I had to, I had to adapt. I go, I had 16 phone calls for 20 grand and like 11 of these people have no equity. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, I tell this to, you know, people all the time is you're going to like, you can't just cold call, um, just a very niche list. If you want to do it in volume, you're right. just going to end up hitting everybody because it's just, there's only so many people you can cold call. And right. the same thing applies to, to home investors. Like, dude, if you got a million dollar budget a month, you're just going to be inefficient. There's right. no other, you can't hit everybody targeted like somebody else could. And the thing is, where does home investors make their money? They make their money in having more territories, more individuals, more spend, marketing, more marketing. They take 30% of that. And so they, at the end of the day, they don't care. They want more franchisees and they want more ad spend. Yeah. That's how they make their money. For us, we're sitting there saying, man, I got 16 calls and literally I got two deals out of that. I, that means that, my, that, that's actually really good. Bro, and here's <laughs> the thing is, so I rem, this, is, this was where it really, I had, had, had this epiphany was, I'm on stage. I'm top three closers, not top 3%, top three closers in the company. And I'm at their big seminar, 1,100 people at this big thing. I'm getting a trophy and I'm like, I'm top three. <laughs> You're like, I don't think I'm doing that great. Like I, I probably <laughs> took home half a million dollars, which is great. But again, that half a million dollars went into these other people's businesses that ended up filing bankruptcy on me. But what happened was I'm sitting up here on stage. I'm like, man, there's nobody in here making money. There has to be a better solution. So this is what they would tell me. They go, well, you need to go out and find referral business. And that's how that should be 50% of your business. So this is what happens. I go out and I go, okay, I'm going to go to probate attorney. So I d go develop a relationship with a gentleman named Ryan Hodges, a probate attorney in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, he goes, bro, I'd love to give you deals. Here we go. So I double my volume in like two months. And my whole ad council, 19 other guys go, what, what are you doing? 
but not from a standpoint of like, hey, bro, what are you doing? Kind of like you and I were yeah. having a good conversation here. It's like accusatory. Mm. And it got to a point where the ad council started coming against me. And um, I just, it was just not a good vibe. Anyway, Ryan Hodges sends me this referral. No equity. And I'm like, what the heck do I do with this deal? I want to make Ryan Hodges super proud of me that I, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And so I started Googling and I started figuring it out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this thing called subject two. And I find this guy named, I won't tell, say his name because you know I don't want a yeah. lawsuit from the guy. But um, I go pay him. And within 10 days, I realize he hasn't done a deal in 10 years. Doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, his contract's outdated. Everything's outdated. He didn't understand do on sell. He didn't understand all these things. And so I just went down the rabbit hole and I figured out everything. I went to a title company that was doing it. I, shout out Eileen Brown. And a title lady had been doing creative finance deals for 40 years. She walked me through my, my first deal. Ah, so a title person taught a title, you. A title person taught me. That is so funny, dude. Yep. And she goes, she's like, look, I know that guy that you, that charged you all that money. That guy's a, a cracker jack. Like you should have never paid that guy money. I'm like, how would I have known? Yeah. She's like, you should have taken five minutes to vet the guy. That's what you should have done. You know? And I was like, well, I was excited about trying to get the deal done. <laughs> you know? So anyway, that's the rabbit hole I went down. And so like for me, when I started doing coaching, um, I was stressed out about, do I deliver enough value? And it stems from that fear from that guy. Yeah. I have this tremendous fear. So you, a lot of people go, man, Pace, you overwork. Like, it's crazy what you do. I'm like, I'm fearful that I'm not providing enough value to my students. And it all came from that guy taking advantage of me. So um, anyway, I learned it, started going crazy. I realized now, here's what happened. My cost per contract, if I spend $20,000 on, on advertising and I get two deals out of 20 grand, what's my cost per contract? $10,000. $10, yeah. $10,000 a contract. The average wholesaler is not making $10,000 on every contract. No. And, got, and you got your business expenses. And business you're expenses. Gonna lose, you're going to lose a lot of money. So when I started doing creative finance, I started getting to a point where I was doing six to seven contracts. Then I got up to 10 contracts a month. Then I started realizing that my conversations with creative finance with my cash investors kept me in the game longer than another wholesaler was. My follow-up game was stronger because I had more options for them, that I was actually getting more cash deals because I had things to have more conversations about. Mm. And I, when I got to about 10 contracts a month, I was like, why am I here? These guys, all they do is criticize me and all my methods. I have to leave. And then a month later, that guy files bankruptcy on me, and I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, and I sold. I got out. It's crazy, dude. It's, yeah, it's, I mean that story could go on for two hours. <laughs> that is crazy. But it was a lot of it. Again, was some of the best things. I think a lot of people that are in their twenties, if I could go back and just talk to myself, I would have said, "Look, find a guy like Ryan Pineda. Find a guy like you know some of our a lot of our friends. Go find these guys and literally just follow their system. Make sure you're going to somebody that actually is actively doing deals, not right. somebody that hasn't done a deal in ten years." Right. And I would have shaved 10 years off my learning curve. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to find deals yourself? That's where Fundrise comes in. Fundrise is a crowdfunding platform that has transacted over $5 billion in real estate and has over 150,000 active investors. While many funds like my own require accredited investors, Fundrise allows anyone to invest with as little as $500. If you'd like to learn more, check out Fundrise.com. Once again, that's Fundrise.com. Are you looking to find off-market real estate deals? One of the best tools my team uses is Batch Leads. With Batch Leads, you're able to pull data, manage lists, and send text messages. On top of that, 
You can get nationwide access to the MLS to get pictures and comps. My team has used Batch Leads to get some of our best deals, so I know it works. You want to start today? You can get half off your first month by going to batchleads.io and using the promo code Ryan. Once again, that's batchleads.io, promo code Ryan for half off your first month. Now, back to the show. The one thing I'll say, though, is kind of similar to how I got into fixing and flipping houses was, um, you know, seeing one of these TV commercials from these guys who, you know, probably weren't really doing deals. They're just, you know, on TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, it inspired me to go do research like you did. And I found bigger pockets and I found, you know, these things. And I'm like, oh, that's what hard money is. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I need. Right. You know, and that, that was what sparked me to go. And, you know, I know this guy charged you a lot more than bigger pockets, but uh, it did spark you down this path. So. I, yeah, I have zero resentment. That's why I wouldn't say his name. I have zero resentment towards him. I it He taught me more lessons about life than he did about creative finance. Yeah. But he did push me he down a path. you got that on the path that you needed. Right. So moral of the story, guys, there's always, you know, just good you can pick out from any failure, any, like, quote, unquote, mistake you know, and that, that's how I always look at it, man. Like I've lost a lot of money doing bad deals. I've mm-hmm. lost, you know, money from people screwing me over like those guys. And I always look back at it. I'm like, man, what is the lesson from all this? Always. And that just occurred to me from there, as you were saying, I'm like, man, well in the end, right? Like it was like kind of the origin story of what led you down this crazy path and to now just doing all these deals and having a TV show. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a crazy story in and of itself, but like before I go there, last thing I'll say to people is that I didn't know my worth, Ryan. That's my problem. I didn't know my worth. I had people that saw, you know how hard I work. You think yeah. probably in, internally, you're like, this guy's a little bit crazy. He's, he's, a, he's a nut. He's a nut. Um, but what would happen is people would see that energy source and they would put their thumbs on me. Mm. And what they would do is they'd go, oh, you can't do this or you don't want to fix and flip. We don't really make that much money. And people would say things to me to block me into being their resource for uh. getting deals done. And that went on for years. Dang. And even when I was with Open Door, like, oh, we, we don't make any money. You don't want to do this. We don't make any money. <laughs> well, they're, they're kind of not lying. They, right. They're, they're really not lying. But, <laughs> you know, they're, they can raise billions and billions of dollars. So right. um, I'm glad I went through it. I wouldn't change it for the world. I wish I knew my worth. Um, I was brought up in a blue-collar family to not be braggadocious, to not be that guy. Right. And so I just kind of kept to myself and listened to my elders and people who had more experience to me. I just listened to them. But the reality is I was listening to people that had their best interest at heart, not mine. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, that's the hard thing to do in the world today, even at you know our current level, right? Because you, now that you've got a following, you've got all this stuff going on, you know, you get new people into your life and you're like, man, like, what's this guy's agenda? Bro. You know, can I trust this person? And so it never changes, right? Mm. Whether you're broke and you're like, man, should I invest in this coaching program? Or whether you're, you know, already established and this guy's like, yo, I got this business opportunity. It looks really good. Yeah. Do you want to partner up on it? Right. And you have to, for me, man, one of the biggest skills is just practicing discernment on you know, what path to take. We were talking about this uh, pre-show of just, man, there's a lot of different paths to take here the next five years that, you know, they're, you know, at the end of the day, right, when you're a talented guy and you're a hard worker, you're going to find a way to, like, win no matter what. Right. It doesn't matter, freaking, you choose the wrong path, you'll just go on the next path and it's right. cool. But for most people, man, it's uh, it's a tough thing to figure out and it causes people, I think that causes people the most stress, like indecision, because of multiple choices. Yeah, I tell people the hardest part of being in real estate is there's too many options. 
there's a lot. It's there's two. The, the reality is there's way more ways to succeed than you could even like. Everybody that comes on your show has a different strategy. Yeah. Right. You've had Lauren Hardy. You've had Zasha come on. You've had so many different people come on here. Everybody has a different strategy. Yep. And so when you're brand new, you're looking at all these ways. Which way do I go? Mm-hmm. That's one of the most challenging part of, about getting started. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. And the thing I'll say is for anyone listening who's struggling with that is all of those ways make money. Yes. You can make money flipping. You can make money wholesaling. You can make money with creative finance. Uh, my buddy Tim Bratz was on. He's got 5,000 units. Like Crazy. you can make money. Like real estate at the end of the day is so fun because of all the ways. You know, one thing that I'm doing now is development. Like we're building my house. We're looking at building an office Is space. that a house or is that more like a mall? <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call it, it's something. We'll see. But uh, it's just... I enjoy, for me, I enjoy all aspects of real estate. I've, I've tried all the different ways and, you know, fixing and flipping got me to where I'm at today, but it doesn't mean that that's going to be my future. No. So pre-show, I, what I loved about it is you were talking about how for you fixing and flipping is a tool. Yeah. It's not the end all be all. It's a tool for you to ultimately get the other things that you want in life. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about real estate as well is that as you get any sort of success, the other opportunities come from everywhere. Yep. But fixing and flipping and wholesale are the foundation. Like it's easy to get into, low barrier of entry, very low risk of any sort of loss. And when you find somebody that actually has a path and is currently doing it, it's like just grab a hold of that person and follow them down that road. Um it makes it a lot easier. But once you're in real estate and you do a couple of deals, you like your eyes open, you go, "Oh my gosh, this is like an endless war. It's like a video game. I could do anything." Yeah. Well, I think if you look at the most successful investors, they're all kind of specializing mm -hmm. in one thing before they branch out. Right. You know? So for you, it was sub two, seller finance. And now, you know, you're still mainly doing that, yep. but you can do whatever you want at this Everybody point. calls me, every DM I get on Instagram, every email I get is, hey, I've got a house with no equity. Hey, I've got a seller that wants too much money. That's literally every message I get. And that's your lead source to get It's my deals. lead source, yeah. yeah. I could turn off all of our direct-to-seller. I could turn off everything that we're doing in our regular business. Yeah. And I could just buy a million dollars a day of real, real estate through creative finance every day. Yep. And just from all the content you put out about it. And, you know, something we talked about too was like, man, you know, with, with lead sources and um, social media and everything, like one of the big things I teach our students is like, hey, get on social media, make content. It's going to be great for getting deals. It's going to be great for raising money. It's going to be great for finding employees, for finding everything. Like you should make content. It's very important. Um, but like to see that you're getting so many deals from your content because it's a very niche thing, it's just, it's inspiring because man, one of the hardest things to get is deals, number one. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, when you're doing direct to seller, it can get costly if you're not, you know, very, um, I guess, precise in what you're doing. Right. And so to get just a free deal handed to you, well, it's not even a deal yet, but a lead. Right. And to have the skills to close that lead are very important. Yeah. So went back to Homevestor days, and we'll jump into the TV show and stuff too, but Going back to homebusters, there's 19 other people in the ad council, right? Right. So what was happening with them? Their cost per lead was $1,100 every phone call as well. So yeah. what would happen is I'd go, hey, guys, I know how to handle those leads. So I realized five, six years ago that I could handle people's dead leads. And I start in local Arizona market, everybody started calling it the PACE method. They go, oh, just do the PACE method. Just learn how to do creative finance and raise people's leads from the dead. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have something here. And there was a moment when I sold my franchise 
and I'm like, I'm going full time. There was a moment before I met my current partner, Cody Barton. There was a moment where I go, I'm just doing nothing but creative finance. Yeah. And I'm going to do nothing but Instagram, nothing but Facebook, and just help other people revive their old dead leads. And I'm going to do, I'm going to crush. Yep. And then I meet my partner, Cody, and I go, okay, let's, I still want to keep flipping. I still want to do all that <laughs> stuff. And, you know, so it was good that I found him, but. Well, it just goes back down to knowing your skill set, right? Like right. you had this unique skill set that you could do for yourself and other people. And you said, I'm going to focus on that. But it wasn't until Cody came in where you said, well, now we have two skill sets. Right. You know, this guy knows how to do X, Y, Z. Why would I limit, you know, him? He can right. do this. And I've seen those same things play out for me too. Is like, man, I am good at, you know, a few things and it's allowed me to get to where I'm at, but I'm, you know, really bad at a lot of things. Also. Yeah. That's why you have your, <laughs> that's why you have your sister. That's yep. why you have Sean Bob. That's why you have this amazing, you have amazing people on your team. I'm very lucky, bro. You're not lucky. <laughs> There's something you have a talent for, for recruiting people. I don't know what it, maybe it's social media. I don't know. Well, I think once again, it goes back to knowing your skill set. Is um, I'm pretty good at hiring people. And You're phenomenal <laughs> at it. Phenomenal. I, you know, don't don't let Sean Bob and those guys hear it, dude. Because they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be like, dude, I need a raise, man. Um, but no, yeah, I think one of my superpowers is hiring and delegating. And uh, if I, if I can just stick to doing that, creating opportunities for other people right. and empowering them and training them, dude, then why why do anything else? Yeah. I mean, you're a pure visionary, you know, you're a big, big visionary. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't get things done and you're not organized, but you are a very high level visionary for anybody who hasn't read the book rocket fuel, go read that book. It's phenomenal. You're a visionary and you have other people do the integration and you have scaled to unbelievable levels. It's so fun to watch. Appreciate that, dude. Yeah. I'll say, uh, for anybody who's looking to get started, rocket fuel is a great book. It is the, um, sequel to traction. Mm -hmm. So make sure you guys read traction and rocket fuel together. Um, yeah, you know, the other thing I'll say too is with building businesses and finding your skill set, you may not know it right away. Mm -hmm. For me, I did not know I was an entrepreneur or this leader or this guy who knew how to hire people. Like, dude, I mean. Bro, you had to become a realtor to yeah. then become a couch flipper. <laughs> That's true. To then figure out how to do it. Yeah, and like you hire your first person, by no means do you think you're an expert. Right. And you do it again, you do it again. You're like, okay, I kind of got the hang of this. Mm -hmm. And then you do it for another company. And then another, and you're like, oh, it's kind of the same skill over and over again. And for people who are like, oh, well, I'm not good at hiring. I'm not good at content. I'm not good at uh, closing and negotiating. It's just like, dude, you have to just keep doing it over and over. Guys, it's repetition. Go so Instagram <laughs> comes out. Okay, now this will actually lead into the TV show. Instagram comes out. I don't remember what year, but I was sleeping on Instagram, and everybody was posting on Instagram. It was like the cool thing, kind of like TikTok is yeah. now. And I'm sleeping on it. And then my wife and I go to New York for her 25th birthday. I go, you know what? I'm going to try this stupid app out. <laughs> and if you go back, I've never deleted any post I've ever made. If you go all the way back to my first Instagram post, it has four likes to this day. <laughs> and one of those likes is me. Okay. So I have three real likes. And you go back there and you look at all my contents, like taking pictures of a cheesecake, doing this, doing all sorts of stuff. But I just got the handle of what the buttons do. And I just work through it. Yep. And I had fun with it. And I didn't think, I didn't, I think at first there's a little bit of imposter syndrome when you start doing your first couple of deals. Yep. So for anybody that has imposter syndrome and you're like, well, I'm not Ryan Pineda. Well, first off, nobody's freaking Ryan Pineda, okay? <laughs> but uh, first off, 
you're never going to be anybody other than yourself. So what I tell people is do the good, the bad, and the ugly model where stop worrying about the, all the good stuff. Talk about, hey, this is something bad that happened that I learned from. Or, man, this was a really ugly situation that happened to me, and this is what I learned from it. Stop thinking you everything on social media has to be good, 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 good. This happened. I failed. I didn't hit my cold calls for the day. Just want to throw that out there, guys. For anybody that's struggling, I struggle too. You can have those conversations on social media. Just work through the motions because social media, recruiting, raising capital, finding deals, like you said, getting a TV show, which is ultimately how we got a freaking TV show on A&E yep. from social media. Yep. Insane. It's crazy, dude. The possibilities are endless with social media, man. Like, I tell people this all the time. Like, you just, once you put yourself out there, you never know who it's going to bring into your mm -hmm. life and, like, how it's going to impact you. It's endless too. Like that's the, that's the tough thing. So I go, um, this is 2019. I go to an event, really high level guy in our space. And he is criticizing me because Jamil and I are running around the country, like doing pop-up events and not charging anybody for it, just doing pop-ups, right? Yep. Just like what we did two yep. years ago. You had one um, here in Vegas. Yeah, it was a blast. And yep. we just had fun. I talked about creative finance. Jamil talked about what he was doing and you were gracious enough to get, you know, hundred people there. It was a blast. And we got a lot of people like, you're not selling anything? We're like, we don't have anything to sell. So somebody, this guy at this event goes, man, everything you're doing is non-scalable. It's non-scalable, non-scalable. I had no idea what that meant. And now I know what it means. It wasn't until I really understood that social media lives forever. It's like building clones of yourself to spread a message for you eternally. Right. I was sitting there saying, I'm going to go build a following and meet people, which we still do. Right. But you have to accompany it with social media. So what happens and how we got the TV show is Jamil and I are traveling around the country. It was shortly after um, we went to your event a couple of years ago. And I decided I'm going to go do my first, like one of my first YouTube videos. Jamil goes, dude, I don't have the energy for anything you're doing. You're crazy. Like we just got off the road for of 30 days. I want to go home and relax. I go, come on, man, let's go do a YouTube video. <laughs> so I had a fix and flip that Jamil and I were both competing. There was a wholesaler in town sending the deal to both of us. Right. And we were bidding each other up unknowingly. We had no idea we were bidding each other up. And I go, bro, somebody's bidding me up on this deal. Is this thing worth this? What's going on? He goes, that's you? <laughs> You're the one bidding me up? And so we end up doing the deal. I go, hey, I'll buy the deal. I'll run the construction and we'll just split the profits. Let's just stop bidding each other up. So we go do a YouTube video at the house. And I go on Instagram stories. I go, who wants to come to this house? Come see Jamil and I walk through this property for the first time. It's a hoarder house. So I bring my videographer who I just had like paid part-time and he comes to the house, Jamil and myself and 20 people I've never met before show up to this house and we do a walkthrough. We make a four minute YouTube video and freaking A&E finds that. Just that random YouTube video. Random YouTube video. With not even like any subscribers. Nothing. nothing. I probably had 200 subscribers. Yeah. 200. It's crazy. But here's what they liked. They go, the fact that you were willing to bring random people to your house and show them what you, you were doing and you didn't charge them to be there and you were collaborating with somebody who was your competition, that's something different. Mm. And I was like, wow. And that courtship went on for several months and we then sat down and go, do we really want to do a TV show? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, good conversations you and I had earlier is like TV is not the most popular medium nowadays, right? Like how many people actually have cable that you and I hang out with? Right. Almost nobody. Right. But is that the most popular medium? No. However, I kind of wanted to check the box of saying, 
in 20 years, I want to be able to say, we had a TV show at one point, and that right. was really, really cool. Your kids will be like, what's that? Right, exactly. <laughs> but my that's the cool thing, too, is we ended up incorporating my wife. My kids are on the show. I spend yeah. so I get to spend six to eight hours a day with my wife and kids on the TV show. And we got incredibly blessed all through social media. Right. All through social media. Yeah. It'll be your grandkids who are asking. Yeah, they're like, what the heck? What were you guys on? Exactly. We're only into the metaverse. What's I know exactly. <laughs> so my wife ends up. Do we do a gender reveal? That's the craziest thing too. It's like my wife gets pregnant during the show. Do we do a gender reveal on the show? Season two, she's giving birth, mm. and it's like wow. Okay, we're now showing people our lives. And during this, what's interesting is we're now attracting people that are also like, hey, we really want. I want a family. I want kids. I want to have a happy marriage. And it's a blessing because it's now attracting the exact kind of people I want to hang out with. Exactly. And um, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's a, it's, a, it's a blast. And two weeks ago, we get an announcement. They go, your TV show is currently not only trending on Hulu, but you guys are the number one TV show on A&E. Wow. Huge. That's crazy. We immediately get signed for season two, season three. We're talking spinoff already. Like, it's crazy. That's crazy. Crazy dude. stuff. Yeah. So what do you think has made it so successful? I mean, you guys are brand new. You're not really acting, but, mm. you know, just like... I mean, you, I'll tell you... You guys are new TV people. Like, uh, why is it so successful, you think? I think it's successful because um, it's a little bit different than what other people are doing. We're actually showing people where the deals are coming from. Mm. So, like, Jim, last week's episode was a door-knocking session. I close a seller live, which was all legit. Mm. And so... People are DMing me like, dude, I just found you on Triple Digit Flip. I've never seen a show actually show people where these deals come from. Oh, my gosh. I just had this epiphany. Yeah, they just have the house already. Right. They have the house already. And for me, I think that's another reason why I had a hard time when I was a contractor. I was like, yeah, these just, I guess these people just have these houses to flip. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> they just magically appear and, you know, I'm here to fix it. Right. So Jamil and I play a lot of games. Like, I'll go, okay, I'm taking you door knocking. And we'll go door knock, and the first person to say anchovy to the seller at the door, like, gets 500 bucks, not 500 bucks, We gets to choose lunch. And we just have a blast doing it. Is it 100% authentic to what we do in our business? No, but it's authentic to our relationship and what we do on the road all the time. Right. Um, everything is legit. All the numbers are legit, which I'm very proud of. But there are moments where you guys will never see this, where, like, I'll walk into a house with Laura, my wife, and... It, the camera will turn around to a different camera angle and it'll come back to us. And you'll assume that's the same exact day in the same exact shot. Right. And it's not. Right. What happens is they're like, we, the lighting wasn't right. The audio kind of screwed up. We need you to put the same clothes on and we need you to do that 13 second thing one more time. Oh my gosh. Bro, that is the hard. How hard is it to, to film? Like compared to, you know, we go on social media, we're like, hey, you know, whatever yeah, happened, you, happened. You script, right? You, you, okay, this is what my audience is asking me to provide. So I'm going to script it together so my audience gets the value and I answer that question. With them, it's not that way. There's an invisible person I've never talked to at A&E that tells- like, we don't like that. Yeah, and they'll say, well, ultimately what we learned too, I learned at the end of the show, they film 80 hours of content to produce 42 minutes of a show. Wow. So what happens is you're getting angles and angles and angles. They've got three cameramen. They've got all this stuff. Ultimately, to produce 42 minutes of a television show, it's 80 hours of recorded content. Well, and not to mention, too, this is over a huge period of time. Because Seven months, yeah. 
Well, yeah, because you buy the house and mm-hmm. then you know you got to renovate it and everything else. Like, I think the hardest part, to be honest with you, from a flipper to flipper conversation, is that before the TV show starts, guess what we have to do? We have to hoard properties and sit on them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and you got to just pay out of pocket because it's them. not it's not like the TV show g- goes, "Hey, tell us when you're ready." Tell yeah. us when they're you're, like, we're filming this day, so you need twelve houses on deck. I got an email for uh, season two just like five hours ago, and they go, uh, "Principal photography starts February on or not February, January second. Yeah, and so they're like, "Have your houses ready." So what are we doing right now? We're accumulating our houses, and we're putting the best lo- ones for the show. And best ones for the show. What'll happen is we'll go buy twenty, Ryan, and they'll reject ten of them. <laughs> hey, but you know what though? I will say this. Great time to do it because they're appreciating. They are. So that's the you might crazy get screwed thing. though later. <laughs> I know. I'm like hoping in like season four or five we don't like go, it doesn't have the opposite effect. And if it does, it'll be great TV. But like there's been yeah. moments where we go, you know, there's a couple of things that we'll spend a little bit more money on in Phoenix. I don't know about it in Vegas. I imagine it's pretty similar. Yeah, pretty you guys similar. probably don't do too much landscape here. Uh, it just depends on the price point. Like for us, dirt backyards are perfectly fine. Yeah, we do that on entry level all the time. Right, entry level. Anything at like 350 or lower, dirt backyard yeah, no, is we fine. Ain't, yeah, we ain't doing that. Right? The TV show's not okay with that. They're like, dude, you need to put a pool in. Well, not, <laughs> not to that extent, but they're like, you guys need to stage it. You need to do this. We can't have an ugly dirt backyard. And I'm like, makes sense. It totally makes sense. So outside of those little things, they keep it 99.9% authentic to exactly what we're actually doing, which I'm very grateful for. I think the biggest part I was frustrated about, and we talked about this pre-show, is that I want to tell everybody the real nitty-gritty. Like, right. we bought it for this. Our hard money costs this. Our monthly payments of utilities and expenses and blah, 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 were this. Our, our buyer asked for concessions. Our buyer asked for closing costs. Our buyer asked for this. They can't t- tell the audience that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's not good TV. I was a contractor doing thousands of flips, and I didn't know what hard money was. right. So it's not great for people to get overwhelmed with a TV show on Fix and Flip where you're talking about hard money. There's words that they eradicated from our, our um, vocabulary. I, we stopped saying the word primary bedroom. or I'm sorry, not I, we say primary bedroom. We can't say master anymore. Why? Oh, like slave stuff? Slave stuff. So master, <laughs> master bedroom, master bathroom. So what would happen is we would have, this is like that 0.1%. Yeah. People would come through the house authentically. All of it's authentic. And then on camera, they would go, man, the master bathroom is gorgeous. We would have to stop and go, we need you to say that again, but you have to say primary bath. Yeah, so dumb. Okay. It's, it's interesting, right? So yeah. those are the big differences. The, I think the hardest thing, Ryan, is that when we were about to go into the TV show, I was texting you about this, and I was like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. You're like, it's going to work out great. There's going to be benefits, you know, all that kind of stuff. They control your life. Yeah. Because you, like, they, cameras show up, Cameras are turning on. You better have all your guys there. What if your guys get sick? What you, if, yeah. what, right? All of those types of things. There's challenges and you get a new schedule every day. It's not like be on set at seven, you're done at five. It's right. like be on set at seven. We'll finish when we finish. We'll finish when we finish. Yeah. And so when, I've seen you post where you're like, dude, I just got off set. It's like two in the morning. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. That's nuts. Or, or like they say, we're going to, we're going to finish in August and we ended up finishing first week in November. Right. So you want to plan family trips. You want to go do that. That's why we, I were, just, we were supposed to speak at the same event in Mexico and you couldn't go. Right. Yeah. I And I had people so upset. I ended yeah. up and going to North Carolina and meeting Terry face to face and like having a conversation about him with it because it was something I was really excited about. I yeah. was promoting it. He said that there was a lot of people that went to that event specifically to 
99% of them came for Ryan Pineda, but <laughs> 1% of them came for me and they were like, where's Pace? I came yeah. here for Pace. And Terry's like, I'm like, Terry, I had to send him screenshots and I had to send him emails and go, bro, I'm not doing this on purpose. I right. have no control over my schedule. Right. So it's been challenging. Um, I've had to er- work earlier in the morning, work weekends, which um, has been a bigger challenge. But the good thing is I'm with my wife and kids all the time. Right. The only thing I do is work and hang out with my wife and kids. So and they're kind of the same thing now. It's, they're the point. same thing for the next couple of years. Yeah. And that's another thing too. Like, do you want to bring your wife and kids into your social media presence to that degree? I don't right. know. Right. Like, do you try and keep those those two worlds separate? You know, for me, it's interesting. Um, my wife and I have done some stuff together. We used to do a YouTube series called The R&M Show, where we would just sit there and talk about just like things that married couples. Uh, I don't think I ever do. saw that. The well, only it, one I saw was you and your wife talking about your house. Yeah. So I'll bring her on for those types of things right. randomly. But, um, we did one, I think this was, we probably filmed like 15 YouTube videos. It's on my main channel for anyone. I'll link to them down below, but, uh, we just sat on our couch in our house and we just discussed topics. Like we talked about, uh, what do we think about homeschooling? What oh, do I we think it. about, uh, you know, spending money as a couple and joint bank account, like just these things, couples, I think would want to know. And it really had nothing to do with real estate or anything. Right, right. But uh, she enjoyed it, and she's good on camera, and she actually edited it because she's like, hey, if this is me, I need to edit it. Right, right, right. Um, But at the same time, too, you know, I recently released a YouTube video about a house we just bought. It's this uh, house we paid $1.8 million for. It's going to be worth $3 million when we're done, and we're thinking about moving into it until our house is built. Oh, yeah, because your house is going to take a while, bro. Yeah, it's going to take a while. And so I'm like, dude, maybe this is the first flip where I'm like, hey, I would live in this. This Mm -hmm. house is tight. It's actually a brand new house that um, the guy quit 95% of the way Oh, I saw this. Yeah, Yeah. I saw this, yeah. So I I just filmed the behind the scenes of um, us walking through it with my contractor and interior designer and stuff. And Mindy's really critical of the house because she's like, hey, if I'm going to live here, here's what I want. Because you should have, at least like for us anyways, if you're going to spend a $3 million house, it should be the way you want, in right. my opinion. Right, right. Um, but also, too, we already live in a great house. Like, we don't have to move. So, long story short, people in the comments were hating on her because they're like, dude, she is stuck up. She's, you know, just uh, high maintenance and That's blah, tough. blah, blah. And it's like, hey, on one hand, I could see how people might perceive that because if you just take that clip, you're like, oh, man, like, she wants like everything just perfect. But on the other hand, when you understand the context of, well, we already live in a great house. We don't mm-hmm. have to move. Right. We're going to move again in three years if our house is built. Um, and this is a really expensive home. If I have an expensive that's, home, I want a house like perfect. That's all great context that people are obviously missing. But the context that they're really missing is the fact that when you were couch flipping, right? And you were yeah. hustling and you go pick up that truck for 1500 bucks. Yep. That whole story, your wife was by, by your side the whole freaking time. Yep. I think that's the opposite of entitled. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? For but sure. people well, don't. And also, part of the credit cards I maxed out were hers. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Are you yeah. kidding me? So that's the big thing that people don't understand. And there is a point where your wife and yourself and anybody else that reaches a level of success should say, this is what I'm willing. These are my standards. Yeah. You don't just always say stay at this level, guys. You got to upgrade your mindset for heaven's sakes. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, to get to the the whole story of that is like, I do include her. I include my kids and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, it remains to be seen how much I want to include them going forward. Right. Um, we've talked about creating like a family channel and not even for like content. Cause like, I don't think it will be worthwhile time-wise to go create a family channel, but more so to document like our life 
so that our kids have this going, you know, like the family trips and hey, if anyone wants to watch it, cool. But really, it's for us, basically our I, family. I home thought videos. about that the other day. Like you and I both make enough enough money that you could hire somebody to basically document your family. I'm sitting there going to Disneyland. We're doing all these things. And I'm sitting there clicking at my wife, like, turn on the camera, yeah. record, record Corbin. She's saying something hilarious. Record it, record it, record it. It's like, man, those moments and, um, you know, the things that you're doing in your daily life, you're not documenting them enough. And at some point you're going to look back and go, man, we didn't take enough videos. We didn't take enough photos. Right. We didn't tell the stories the way that they happened. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's something we're thinking about. And that would just be, dude, we're not trying to like make this the best uh, right. channel. Like everything else is like, hey, this is a business. Like let's really do it the best. But this is more for fun. Right. And I think that. I think if the TV show that we're doing did not involve my wife and kids, I would have had a hard, really hard time committing to it. So when yeah, they were, that time commitment is crazy. It's a, it, it would be it would have been impossible. My wife and I wouldn't have seen each other. It would have been hard. But it, we went the opposite direction where Annie says, okay, well, how do you guys envision the show? I yeah. go, well, my wife is my realtor anyway. So why don't we bring her into the show? And Jamil's sister is his project manager, really. Why don't we bring them into the show? And now we can spend way more time with our families. Right. And it worked out amazing. And my wife did a great job and she's having a good time. I think she's found a level of self-confidence, like being on camera that she didn't have. Like your yeah. wife is phenomenal and she's hilarious, by the way. <laughs> she's so funny. Um, and so just getting them in front of the camera, allowing them to be themselves has been a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I was going to ask you, your work schedule, man, is is absolutely crazy. I mm -hmm. mean, you work 16 hours a day. Yeah. And for me, I've always been about, hey, guys, I'm not going to work a lot. Like, my whole deal is let's just optimize everything, only do the things that I really want to do. Right. And, you know, for you, you love doing everything you do. I do. And so it's like, how do you... Do you, I guess I have two questions. Like for one, I was going to ask you, how does your family handle that? But like you just said, a lot of that work is with them. Yeah. Um, but two, do you see yourself slowing down at some point? Yeah, I'm already, so this is a great topic because you are at a level where I want to be. Okay. In terms of, you know, I'm, I'm, you slow down and you structure your days. I'm structuring my day. Most of my work People are going to throw up when they hear this, but most of my work is done between 2.30 in the morning and 7 o'clock in the morning. Dude, you texted me at 2 this morning. I thought you woke up at night. No, no, no. I, I, that, that was, I thought you just like went to the, go to the bathroom, but that was you like waking up. I'm done. I'm showered. I'm, I'm raring to go. <laughs> okay. Okay, because you, you, know, you talked about this. It's the, sling, the, slingshot, the slingshot effect with your buddy, um, Acuff, was talking about in the morning and in the night. Those are the two most critical parts of your day. Right. So for me, it's the only time where people don't need something from me and I can actually focus on reading books and planning up my day, emptying my email, replying back to everybody, going through my Slack channel, you know, all of our companies. I don't have as many companies as you, but I'm a couple shy of you. And I go through all my Slack channels, reply to everybody, do videos, do all that kind of stuff. And then I'm ready to start my day. Mm. And so when people are like, man, you haven't looked at your phone for five hours. I'm like, yeah, because I did all my texting. I did my emailing. I did all my messaging early in the morning. I'm done. Now I can focus on what I'm doing. And so it's always been like that for me. Um, but now what's happening is in the afternoons, I'm, I'm done. Like I end early. I don't go till nine, 10 o'clock at night like I used to. And now business opportunities come to me and guess what I'm saying to them? No, no. not you interested. Don't need it. I don't need it. Yeah. But two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, when these things happened to me and I had to rebuild my, my whole company like, structure, I'll do whatever. I had to go. And you, you yeah. went very vertical in your business where it's like, okay, I'm fixing and flipping. Well, now I'm running into, you know, re handling books and accounting and financing. And I have a lot of buddies that are running into that issue too. I'm going to start my, my CPA firm. Yeah. I'm going to start my brokerage. I'm going to do this. Yeah. 
there's a point where you have enough of that. And when one thing rises, the other ones rise as well. I'm at a point right now with our title company, our virtual assistant company, all the things that we own that I'm like, I, this is a perfect setup. Yeah. At some point, I think after the TV show, I'm probably going to be like Brent Daniels. Do you know Brent Daniels schedule? No, I don't. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, done. That's it. Doesn't work Monday. Doesn't work Friday. Doesn't work Sunday, Mm. Saturday or Sunday. That's a good schedule. You can barely get a hold of him. <laughs> He's just like, I'm off the grid. So we do a podcast. Like we'll have, we have a podcast here shortly, um, Wholesale Hotline, and he comes into the studio on Mondays just for that, mm. and then he goes home. His team runs everything, right? He's figured out what works for him, and I think that goes down to is like, what is what do you actually want? Yeah. Right? You figured out exactly what you want. I think I'm at that point of knowing exactly what I want, and I have just about everything. Now it's at a point of just keeping it efficient yeah, and hiring better people, right? We talked earlier, like there's certain things in my media company and my brand that I want to, you know, hire a couple more people and then I'm done hiring. Like I have everything yeah, I need. Just get those A players and let them, let them run it. Yes. Better than you and I could ever do it. So, yeah. um, my schedule is two o'clock in the morning, usually crazy. I know, um, all the way until about six or seven o'clock at night, Monday through Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday are like half days for me. When do you go to sleep? 10. So you sleep four hours a night. Four hours a night, yeah. You're like Kobe Bryant, dude. You ever hear Kobe's story? Yeah, it's crazy. Like people, yeah. like people going down to the gym, and he's already like not just done. He's like showered and done. Yeah, but I mean, like that—that that was his whole deal. He would like wake up at two, three in the morning, and he's at the gym at four, just right. ready to crush. And I think we're like you and I are very lucky. I think what people need to understand about real estate is that it's kind of like going back to high school or even playing baseball. Like you looked forward to baseball, yes, because you loved the sport, right? But you also had a lot of buddies in it. And you look forward to hanging out with your buddies. For me, I look at real estate as my sport that I get to hang out with all my buddies. Yeah, it's not work. You no, enjoy it. We enjoy it. We both yeah. do. Now, I'm very lucky. My wife is my realtor, so I talk to her 10 times a day. And we have a great relationship. She's amazing at what she does. So I don't ever feel like there's a disconnect of like, I'm sacrificing work to be with my family. And I think that I'm lucky in that regard. Right. Other people don't have that. No. Yeah, because their their family's in something totally separate. And, right. Yeah. No, I, I've always been curious, man, because, you know, I see you on the live streams. Mm-hmm. I see you, you know, filming the show, obviously still running your existing businesses, right. running your education. I'm like, holy cow, this dude, like, does he, uh, is it like the Harry Potter thing where, you know, he's got that thing that <laughs> makes two of him and then he I can fi- manipulate time? I, so I'm not at your level yet, but I feel like my delegation yeah. is probably 85, 90% of where you, you're at. And I have like this morning as I was driving up here, I drove because I wanted to, I'm driving to um, Reno to buy another house and I'm voice texting everybody like yeah. two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I'm voice texting everybody. I've got people on the East coast that work for me. I purposely had my, has, have my bookkeeper and my media manager work both on the East coast so that when I'm up at five, it's eight uh, o'clock their time. Yeah. So I've structured my life that at five o'clock I can get a lot of stuff done. And, um, it used to not be that way. I would sit there and just be antsy, like, wake up guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Get on my level. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, the moral of the story is like to be successful, you got to figure out what works for you. Right. You know, I've seen this happen so many times. Like people are like, "Uh, man, what's the best time to uh, work out? And I'm like, honestly, the best time to work out is freaking when you're going to do it the most consistent. (laughs) Such a great point. You look at like Brent Daniels does it at noon. Yeah, look, noon is a weird time to work out in the middle of the workday, but hey, if you get it done at noon, do it. 
for me, it's always been the morning. I just want to get it out of my way. Right. There are some people who are like, oh, well, you, you know, your testosterone levels are up at night and this. I'm like, hey, if Bro, that's if what I'm gonna you want, overthink to that level, I'm not gonna do it. Well, it's just like, hey, for some people, if that's when you feel good, do it. I don't really freaking care. Right. If you want to wake up at two in the morning and that's how you get your alone time, perfect. One thing though I do believe is that everyone needs that consistent alone time in the morning. Yes. And for you, you get it at two in the morning. For me, I get it waking up at six. Like right. just whatever works. For some people, they got ki- they say a lot of people be like, yo, I have kids. I gotta take them to school. I'm like, well, wake up an hour earlier. Like it ain't rocket science. It's crazy <laughs> to me that it's that rudimentary and people just won't do it. It's like you should be up, showered, ready to go before your kids because you need to lead by lead by example first and foremost. Like you shouldn't be clamoring to get to your kid's bedroom at seven o'clock. Hey, get up, get out of bed. Yeah. You should be up and raring to go. Like this morning I had, I was stressed out yesterday, like super stressed out about one topic. I was like, okay, the topic was, and we talked about it earlier. I was texting Alex Hermosi, who you're, you know, b- both you and I are friendly with and a couple of our other friends. And I was like, what is the solution to get people to take true action? Yeah. Is there a pill? Like, is there, is it like a red pill or a blue pill? You take the blue pill, you're an action taker. You take the red pill, you're just lazy. What is the f- easiest way to get people to act, take actual action? So this morning I read an entire book. I didn't write, read it. I listened to an audio, uh, like an yeah. audio book for four and a half hours. I listened to a book. Most people don't have any time in their day because they wake up right when their kids wake up. They right. come home from dinner and they turn What Your buddy Acuff talked about the average American watches 35 hours of TV a week. Yeah. As long as, you know, part of that is triple digit flip. It's yeah, fine. exactly. But, you know, there you go. other than that, that's yes. too much. Yes. So now I'm with you, dude. Like people need to really just, like, we all have 24 hours. That's the point right. I'm, I'm making is like, dude, you choose to sleep four mm-hmm. and wake up at two and you have a very successful life. Your family is seeing you. Like you built your life in a way where like, hey, I work with my family mm-hmm. so I can work more. I love to work. Like it's not like I'm forced. I have enough money. I just want to do it. Same thing with me. It's like, dude, my family, I don't want to work with them. Like, right. it, you know, they want to do their thing. I'll play with my friends in right. real estate and right. then I'll come home. Right. And uh, Brent Daniels, same way. Three days a week, dude, tight. I freaking love it. It's amazing. And right. I think I tell him all the time, I, I'm heading down that path, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, I was five days a week for a long time, but now I started golfing every Friday. And so now I'm four days a week. Right. And so it's like, man, that actually makes me more efficient because I'm like, hey, it's not like I stopped doing things. Right. I still have my normal things I need to get done. And so I'm super like, we were supposed to have lunch today. And I was like, dude, I got to film four YouTube videos plus film this podcast today. Right, right, right. Or, you know, I'm just not going to get what I need to get done today. And so um, it it makes you think like, man, how can I accomplish all my goals in this limited amount of time? Yeah, you got to be around. The thing is, you got to be around people that are also doing these types of things, right? I, I told, you know, we've got Kevin here in the studio, young, young guy, 20. How old are you, Kevin? 21 years old. Oh my gosh. If you, if I could rub shoulders with a Ryan Pineda when I was 21 freaking years old, just being around the energy of somebody who's so specific about what they want in their life is unbelievable, which anyway, going back to like the time machine and why I didn't fix and flip. It's like, because I was around the wrong freaking people and I was learning the wrong information from people that wanted to control what my, you know, capabilities were. So dude, it's, it's been amazing watching you from two years ago. And it's amazing that you gave me the time and energy this afternoon to tell me like what your plans are, because I realized also when we were sitting down, I go, 
Ryan, like I have a little bit of FOMO every time I look at what Ryan's doing. <laughs> everybody, I th- I'm sure everybody does. And I go, Ryan has what Ryan wants. I don't want what Ryan has. Yep, exactly. You guys have to be very specific about that in your life. Like I, when we took a break, I go, bro, this guy is on another level. He's unbelievable, but he has things that I don't want. Yep. I want the, and he, I have things he doesn't want. Where our job is just to elevate each other and be around each other and share wisdom and take bits and pieces along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone listening, you know, we were talking pre-show for about an hour just about why and mission and, you know, just really hammering those things home of like, why, why would I create more content? Like, what's the point? Why would I start a new business? Like it has to meet the greater why of what we're doing. And, you know, if we know our time is just very limited, it Mm. is, it's the only limitation we have. We can go get more money. We can get more people. We can get you know, all these things, but you know, time is the only limited resource. It's like, man, it makes saying no to things very easy yes. when you filter them through. Hey, does this line up with my why? Right. No, like 99% of the things do not. Right. And so it's just like, okay, you know. Yeah. I, I spend more of my time now saying no to just about everything. Yeah. Even I, speaking engagements and other things, requests. I'm sure you do too. You get people asking you all the time, fly all over the country. Like, no. Yeah. Like that's time away from my businesses. That's time away from my wife and my kids. That's not like in alignment with my purpose. So you end up getting to a level, you know, through real estate, just like yep. you said earlier, real estate is the tool that allows you to get into these spaces. Yep. Once you're in these spaces, you spend 99% of the time saying no. Exactly. hundred percent. Well, dude, I've had a blast having you Bro, on, man. Thank you. It's been, it's been a, fun, a lot of fun for everyone. Uh, listening, make sure you go give Pace a follow. We're going to link to his, all his uh, socials down below. He is literally putting out so much content on creative finance. He's got a coaching program. He's got his TV show. He's got everything he mentioned today. And uh, we'll link to all those down below, man. So appreciate having you on. Thank dude. you, brother. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, dude. Thank you. All right, everyone else, make sure you subscribe to this channel. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for watching the Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to work with me, head over to ryanpineda.com. You can find my courses, coaching programs, and upcoming events. We also have free resources you can download, so head over to ryanpineda.com.